everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rebecca and Rebecca. My name is Rebecca Yager. And I'm Rebecca Reed. Hey, Rebecca. Good to see you. Yeah. We How's are... Texas today? <laughs> Texas is still here, doing fine. And we are so excited to have with us the author of Redeeming the Cowboy and many other books, by the way. This is Lisa Jordan. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Rebecca and Becky. It's so great to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here. So we want to talk about Redeeming the cat, uh, Cowboy and talk about all kinds of things with you, but let's let the folks know more about you. So Rebecca, tell them all about Lisa. All right. So heart, home, and faith have always been important to Lisa Jordan. So writing stories with those elements come naturally. She's an award-winning author for Love Inspired, writing novels that promise hope and happily ever after. Happily married for over 30 years, she and her husband have two grown sons. When she isn't writing, Lisa enjoys family time, good books, and being creative with words, photos, papers, and fibers. Visit her at www.lisajordanbooks.com. Yes, do it today. (laughs) So, Lisa, first off, you write romances, so we have to talk about your own real-life romance, and that's the one with your husband and your fun backstory of y'all meeting and eloping what what tell us tell us (laughs) okay when I was in college I worked at a family restaurant that's in our hometown and my husband is from my hometown but he is um he at that time he was stationed in um, Virginia he was uh in the Marine Corps and he had come home on leave and I was working and I was at a table where a couple of my friends were And he walked in and this is the late eighties and he's wearing a blue and white striped shirt and white pants and white Hirachi shoes. Do you remember those? And uh, I said to my friends, I said, you see that man over there? And they said, yes. I said, I don't know who he is. I don't know where he's from, but I'm going to marry him. And that was a bold statement because I already had a boyfriend at the time. (laughs) So, um, but that, that relationship with my boyfriend just wasn't working out the way that I wanted. But anyway, my husband and I met, uh, I waited on him and um, one of my coworkers. Oh, and the thing is my husband used to work at that restaurant before he enlisted in the Marine Corps. So it was like, he knew some of the people that I worked with. And so he would come home and say hi and everything. So one of my coworkers was an older woman named Mid and she was super fun. And he was chatting with her and she introduced us and everything. And my husband's father was a city cop and he would come in and have coffee. So I knew him as a customer. And, um, but anyway, so my husband, he said when he, he had come in that night and then the next night and then the next night. And he said to me, he said, would you be interested in having a Marine pen pal? And this is, you know, of course, be- before email and texting and all of that. So I said, sure. And so we got to know each other through letters and phone calls. And um, he would come home, you know, when he had, when he was on leave, when he had leave, he would come home. And so we dated, um, basically dated through letters and phone calls for 18 months. And then he got orders for South Carolina, which 
I was six hours from Virginia, but now I'm 18 hours from him. And that was just so hard. And I was struggling in college and I was, there was just some family things happening and I just wasn't in the best place in my life. And he was kind of like my security and I was really missing him. And so um, I ended up moving down there three weeks after Hurricane Hugo devastated Charleston. And, um, and so then we ended up eloping and October 30th of this month is 34 years of marriage. So something worked out. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. My goodness. Thank you. And, and you have um, two, two grown sons. So. Right. Yes. Our, our oldest son turns 33 on Halloween, the day after our anniversary. And our right. youngest son just turned 30 last yeah. month. So you were 12 when you married your husband then? Cause you do pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was 20 when I got married. I was a very young bride, a very young mom married at 20, had my first baby at 21, my second baby at 24. Mm. And, but I wouldn't change any of it because, you know, I have, I have great guys in my life and I'm so, so thankful for them. That's, that's fabulous. Did you always know you wanted to be a writer or is this something that happened um, as you grew older? Or? Well, I've known since I was 16 that I wanted to be a writer. And um, I used to sneak books off my stepmom's bookshelf. And when like they would go off to ball practice or whatever, I was always reading. I, I've been reading since my first memories of reading were my mom reading us Bible stories at bedtime. And then I can I can still picture myself sitting at the round table in first grade reading from our book, uh, our um, our reading book. And I always escaped into books. I just found a lot of um, solace and peace and when life was chaotic around me, I could just escape into story world. So I've always loved reading. And then as I got older, I, you know, that angsty, those angsty teenage years, I was reading romances. And then I would sneak books off my stepmother's shelf. And she had some Danielle Steele books. And I read Danielle Steele's The Promise. And, um, after I finished that book, I just like hugged it to my chest. And I just knew I wanted to write stories that gave my readers that same heart sigh that I felt. And I was 16 at the time. So that's when I decided um, I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And when I was creating a tagline uh, for my website and uh, my brand, which my name is my brand, but creating a tagline, it's promises of hope and happily ever after. And the promise comes from that story, that, that seed, but also the promises of God. You know, he's our ultimate hope and our ultimate happily ever after. But yeah, since, since I was 16, I knew I wanted to write. And so it's just been, um, well, I'm, it's been what, 38 years of just learning the craft and growing. And so yeah, a lot to learn. Um, I, I was, I'm glad we've gone from the promise of Daniel Steele to the promise of God. Uh, but like you, I love yeah. Daniel Steele's The Promise. I did. Yeah. So I understand that angsty. Um, that was one of my favorites back then. But I'm glad we progress and grow older. And, yeah, yes. And, and even write. in my, even in my reading variety, you yes. know, and 
but but you know I just feel like God was speaking something into my heart at that time that I didn't even understand but looking back you know I but that was just a pivotal there's been some moments in my in my life where I just really felt God speaking to me and even though I didn't feel it at that time that's just one of those pivotal life-changing moments well you you never know who God's going to use or what he's going to use to exactly yeah get into your heart so the way you talk and and the way you talk about your family and your husband family is very important to you and I think we're seeing that in your books especially in, in yes book. and 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 the funny thing is um and I I don't say this to be disrespectful I say this just because it's simply a fact between my parents uh, there were five marriages my parents divorced when I was 12 and between the two of them there were five marriages and I knew when I got married, I just, I wanted a long, you know, I, I, I didn't want my children to grow up the way I did. And plus my, my husband's parents were divorced. And um, so I knew I wanted a strong and stable marriage and it takes a lot of work. And, you know, they used, to, I've heard people say marriage is 50, 50. It's not marriage is 100, 100. You have to, you're both have to be all in. But one of the um, uh, cornerstones in my personal life were my grandparents. Um, and my grandparents were married over 50 years. And my grandma passed away like a couple years after their 50th anniversary. But my grandparents were solid Christians and they were dairy farmers. And my childhood, my idyllic childhood years were spent growing up on the farm. And my mom, um, she was from a family of six. And my mom was the youngest and she was adopted into the family. And so um, she was adopted into this uh, very casual, um, but God-fearing family of dairy farmers. And when you have six siblings and they have kids and they have kids, you end up with a big extended family. And so... I've always been surrounded by family. I have uh, two siblings of my own, um, but family is uh, so important to me because, you know, I, you, I, my, my siblings and I, we get along so well. And I just, uh, I, I just want to showcase that in my books, you know, and you can have family dynamics and you can have family relationships that are not healthy, but, for me, uh, one of the, my foundations of my values are my faith and my family. First is my faith. And number two is family. That's how I live my life. And that's what kind of comes out in my stories, small town, family drama, family life, you know, kind of things. It's really obvious too. And I, I, I liked it. I, I just felt like it was, it was really, um, comforting in a way to come into that, family that bear you know bears family and the even the extended you know with Lynetta and the the dynamics between um those two siblings there and just the way they all kind of pulled together and not pulled separately I mean it, you know you see too many families that are pulling each other apart that family right away you got the idea that they're all pulling together and they're all headed the right direct, you know, the same direction, whether it's right or wrong direction, it's all going, they're all going the same way. And it was really neat to see that. And, and especially with, um, you know, your heroine who didn't have that. So, I mean, I'm jumping mm -hmm. ahead a bit, but 
I just really thought that that was obvious in the in the story too, and how I liked how that played um, played a part in the story. And I feel like um, there's so much chaos in our world, and you know, and I do have different characters have broken families or broken relationships with their families. But when I created this series, and it kind of goes along with my previous series, the Holland Brothers series. I like having a strong patriarch just to give wisdom and guidance. And a lot of my patriarchs are based on a compilation of my uncles, you know, because my mother had strong God loving uh, brothers and I'm so blessed for their influence in my life. And so I'm, uh, so when I'm creating my, my family foundation, I look and see, okay, how do I want them to be portrayed in the story? And I just feel like if, when we are throwing so much stuff at our characters, they need to have a, a safe landing spot. And so I wanted a stable family. And I just wanted that throughout the series because each of my main characters, they're going through their own, you know, their own drama and everything. And they needed some solid voices of truth just to keep them guided and pointed toward what God has called them to do. Yeah, I think that's um, really evident in, in the way you write and, and with this this strong family here. And with Bear's family, um, in our review, Rebecca and I talked about, yes, this is love-inspired in their shorter books, but there's so much depth to this book with Redeeming the Cowboy. And there's so many layers that you go in and in with what they're dealing with, especially Bear and Piper. But family is a big part, big thread going through that. The faith is a big thread going through that and you do it really well for for a shorter um thank you thank you we really enjoyed it um i'm I'm gonna go off subject we're serious here but rebecca's favorite part of your book which i tease her about rebecca loves horses and loves i give her a hard time about stuff but her favorite part rebecca go ahead and share (laughs) i really liked the little writers part i thought that was the most fun um scenes in the book with when especially when you know bear got thrown in and victor had to leave and you know take care of of things and he just was sort of pushed into this group of these children you know and 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 didn't really know what to do and of course i i really liked when his i I don't remember his name but the other guy that was helping and just said do what you do bear (laughs) i love that you know, because obviously he believed that Bear could handle it and Bear knew the, the foundations, knew what to do. But I was just curious about, you know, how you found out about that. You know, where, you know, was that, is that a real thing? Where did you read, you know, where did you get that that foundation for that? Because that was interesting. Well, um, I, I loved writing those scenes. And the thing is, um, I'm always a little intimidated when people who love horses so much like you or a couple of my other writing friends who I've asked many questions because I've never been to Colorado in that aspect. I've been to Denver airport. I've been to a Denver hotel for ACFW. I've never been on a ranch. I grew up on a dairy farm, you know, just down the road from a dairy farm. And I have not been on a horse since I was in middle school. And so I'm like, okay, so how am I going to create this series so it comes across as authentic? 
lots and lots and lots and lots of research. YouTube is my best friend. I use YouTube for all kinds of uh, research. And so I knew I wanted Bear to be a bull rider, a disgraced bull rider. That's his identity. He's a disgraced bull rider. Uh, for something where, you know, we learn later in the story why he feels disgraced. Um, and I think most people kind of would root for him and say, yeah, do it again. But at, but at, but it also cost him a lot. And um, so when I was doing research on bull riding and rodeos, and we have a, a, a local-ish rodeo about 40 minutes from me. And so last summer, my husband and my son and I, we went to the rodeo. And I took all kinds of video and all kinds of pictures just to even watch the way that they hold different things and stuff like that. And so when I'm doing all this research for rodeos, um, I came across mutton busting. Mm -hmm. And and so it, the little riders, is, you know, they're riding the mutton. You know, it's like, okay, how do kids get introduced to the rodeo? And then I watched this video of this guy who created this fake sheep. He used a wagon and a bale of hay and sheepskin. And I thought, oh, I'm going to pull that into my... And, and then, you know, I could, I was like, okay, and the jostling, so bears running and jostling these little kids on the, on this fake sheep, just trying to get that rhythm of, you know, holding on to the mutton. And so that's where that came from. And I just wanted to show, uh, I wanted to take bear out of his element, but because he grew up with siblings, he's the oldest out of five. Um, he's been around kids and now he has a nephew um, who we will learn, we will learn more about in my new book. Um, but he has, you know, these siblings who are, you know, having children and everything. But I also wanted to show how he, um, I wanted to give a glimpse of how he could be in fatherhood, you know, because he was kind of encouraging to these kids. Even I think his name's Jesse. He's like, my mm -hmm. uncle says you punched a guy or something. I can't remember exactly, but he just like, and kids are just forthright and he just rolls with it, you know? And so I just wanted to give the readers, you know, we love heroic men. Heroic men aren't just strong muscles. It's how they engage with children and how they engage with other people outside their realm of, you know, security or comfort, you know, stepping outside their comfort zone. So this kind of took Bear out of his comfort zone, but Victor was his friend and he didn't want to let him down. So you got to see, well, he's kind of a stand-up kind of guy. Then you got to see how he interacted with these children. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. And I think you're right. I think, you know, part of the, part of it was, you know, he's trying to be, um, to uphold his pledge to his best friend Ryland right and mm -hmm. take care of his daughter and and his and her mother who um, is the heroine and you know so this would be important to him to be able to interact with these kids and to prove to himself even that he could interact with them and maybe would be beneficial for Avery so I felt like it was it served a lot of purposes like you said and but it was just a fun a fun scene. And I just really liked the idea because I guess, you know, it's something we don't really think about is like, oh, these people just automatically get on these bulls and they just go. Well, that's not really true. No, no, no. There's so much that goes into it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a main, I'm a, I'm totally an outsider 
looking in. I don't even have that rodeo background or that horse background. So I, you know, even an outsider just doing research, there's just so many things that you don't think about. Even what they use to hold, uh, what they, they rub on the rope just to hold it or how they have to twist the rope, you know, to prevent from breaking their bones, but to still hold on. And, and you know, things I learned like um, the rider gets points, but then you also get point, you get more points for a, a very angry bucking bull. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot that goes into adding authenticity and knowing just how much research to put in and what, you know, because you don't want it to be, you know, the dummy's guide to bull riding because it's certainly not that, but, but you just want to add enough to make it authentic. Well, I thought you did a really good job. And I was going to tell you that I thought all the horse scenes were very believable. So good job. Oh, well, thank you. That makes me feel so much better. And it, yeah, it's a lot of uh, YouTube. And then my friend, Delyn Weller, she has a ranch up in uh, Washington State. And I would say, okay, how does this sound? Or can you read this scene? Or, you know, and so she was very quick to answer my questions. And I truly appreciated that. Yeah, so, so yeah. for anyone out there who thinks, I'm sorry, thinks that writing is easy, that we just sit down and it's glamorous and we're on a typewriter or typewriter on a computer. <laughs> um, you know, it's not because there is the research in there and, and there's the craft. And and Rebecca and I had a good talk about the character arc uh, between mm -hmm. with Piper and with Bear. And, and they were different character arcs. We thought you did a really good job um Rebecca explained it really well because Piper's was more the slow incline well I felt like with Piper it's like she was so resistant that her arc change arc was like flatter at the beginning and then once she hit that point where finally she just couldn't resist it anymore then she just like completely went for it but it took her forever you know to get to that point because she had so many things that she was just like no it won't work for this reason for that reason for this other reason and she had so many things that she just kept putting up those walls and being resistant whereas with bear it was like he was like he wanted to change from almost page one like he was already in that idea of I want to be a different person I don't want to be seen in the light that people see me even though it was not completely true how you know people viewed him he didn't want anything you know to he didn't want to associate with that old him and so he was already you know on that steeper kind of our change and then for him it was like he was there way before Piper even would like even admit that she needed any sort of change so I just thought that was really good and and as far as like a an author learning to do character change arcs I thought your book would be very useful to study because of how differently those two characters approached their changes well thank you for saying so and I think back to looking at the dynamic um where Bear had this solid family unit and where Piper's mother literally turned her back on her. And mm -hmm. she, you know, Piper had, she had a lot of fears and anxieties that might not even made it to the page, but just I knew her as a character. The people she loved left her. And so she's afraid to become vulnerable. She's afraid to give more 
for fear of losing more people, more of herself and, you know, crumbling again. And so, yeah, she has a, she has a slower journey, but I also wanted to show where she wasn't, I mean, she blamed it. I, I think I made it very clear that she blamed Bear, mm -hmm. but I also didn't want her to be a crabby person on the page because when I introduced her in the first book in the series, um, Rescuing Her Ranch, she was a secondary character. She's the cousin of my hero in that book. And she was positive and upbeat and stuff like that. And so I wanted to show that on the page, but I also wanted to show some of her inner turmoil. And, you know, and just because she's just had a, a, I, well, they both have had a rough go of it and they both have suffered loss, but hers was a little bit more, um, I don't know. It was on a deeper level because she lost her husband and then she lost her mom in the fact that her mom turned her back on her. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of loss. Mm -hmm. And and it's different losing a spouse versus losing a friend. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, yeah. And it, I thought you did a good job of that. I mean, it was, it was obvious that she had those anxieties that you mentioned and fears. And I think it was compounded because of Avery and the right. fact that she didn't, she was trying to shield Avery so much that she was taking all the fallout and just like, piling it up on her because she didn't want any of it to get onto Avery. And so that made it even more um, difficult for her because she didn't, and she didn't really feel like she had anybody to talk to about it because mm -hmm. even Lynetta, her kind of surrogate mother, like, I don't feel like she opened up to her that much even about like her true feelings until later on. And, you know, when, right. so she was bearing everything all herself and she had and she didn't really trust god at that point so she didn't have that exactly. avenue either mm -hmm. so she was just trying to hold it all up kind of like atlas you know or hercules yeah, it was yeah. atlas. He held up the world right he was, she had it all right. there she's trying to balance it all so yeah no i thought that came across quite well thank you yeah, there's love those intricacies that you don't, you know, just you could do the surface thing. Yeah, she's had a lot of loss and she's going to, you know, she and Barry got to find a way to fall in love and accept each other again. But there's, again, there were so many layers and, and the book just went um, so much deeper. And again, going back to kind of our theme of this is is family and like your love of your mm -hmm. family. It's coming through. Um, in these stories and also a sense of community because I liked the surrounding community right. in this book as well um, they were important yeah the extra the a lot of the side characters the side characters added so much to the story you know you had Victor you had um, what was the other guy? Eugene I really liked Eugene um, yeah. the beekeeping counselor guy I really liked yeah. him and, um, you know, then you have Lynetta, who's another strong woman, you know, strong female character, um, just a lot of pillars to kind of surround these people so that they could fall into them when they needed them. It was really, yeah. And one of the things, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but each one of those characters, those secondary characters, they have suffered their own sort of loss. Mm -hmm. And so they had a sense of, wisdom from their own point of view of how they have 
moved, I don't want to say moved on, but moved through their grief and how they have learned how to embrace a new kind of normal in their lives. And it's not always easy and it takes time, but, you know, she was able to look up to them. And I really liked Eugene and he, I didn't expect him when I uh, started the story, but he just came on the page. He really came alive, came to life. And I love Lynetta. I mean, um, Lynetta is probably one of my favorite characters I've ever created because she and her husband have had their own sense of loss and the fact that they can't have children. So they've adopted children in the community as theirs. And so she was fun to write. Yeah, it was that was good. I, it was fun to have kind of the inner family and the outer family in a way. Mm -hmm. Well, and hopefully yeah. we'll see some of these characters again. There is a book three. That's yes, that I just got the title of that today. And that is I I'm actually in revisions for that one right now. And that will come out in August or September of 2024. Okay. So I'm marketing this book, Redeeming the Cowboy. I'm working on revisions for uh, Wyatt's story. And he's the next sibling. And then I'm working on the book proposal for the fourth sibling, Mallory. Oh, wonderful. Yay. So there's, so, there's lots, to, lots to look forward to. Now, how many books have you written for Love Inspired? You know? Um, I have to add them up. Okay, so I've... <laughs> I have five Lakeside books. I have four Holland Brothers books, so that's nine. And so far, I have two um, uh, Stone River, so that's 11. And the one that comes out in August of next year, 12. So I've written 12 books for that. Oh, will be coming out. Now, is there, and these are all love-inspired books, so is there yes. another genre you would ever want to tackle, or do you have ideas for other books? Not that we want you to go away from love-inspired, but you know. Right. Well, I, the, here's, here's my commercial for love-inspired. I absolutely love writing for love-inspired. I love my editor. Um, she and I have clicked. We've worked together for 12 years. And I really um, have grown in my ability to write and in my craft um, uh, to, um, you know, just under her tutelage, so to speak. So anyway, um, I love writing for Love Inspired. But I do have some like women's fiction with romantic threads. I have several of those books that I would like to eventually um, put out. And then I have some bigger uh, contemporary romance with subplots that's a little bit bigger than Love Inspired, more trade length mm -hmm. or even mass market length. But, you know, publishing ebbs and flows. And so right now, some things that were so hot are on the down side. And so right now I'm just focusing on Love Inspired. And then I was just presented with a new opportunity recently that I'm not going to talk about yet because it's just too new. Um, so there might be another caveat. But um, so I do like uh, women's fiction with a strong romantic thread. It's hard for me to not have romance. I just I love I'm a happily ever after girl and I love romance. But I also love seeing different women's journeys. Um, uh, when I talked about my first two values, uh, uh, faith and family, my third value is friendships. And I'm very blessed to have strong 
uh, friendships with different pockets in different pockets of my life, you know? And so I like to explore some of those relationships with women, like mothers and daughters and sisters and, and, you know, groups of friends. And so I do have some things that are uh, brewing, so to speak, but nothing that's ready to be published yet. Right. right. So obviously we're going to hopefully see a lot more from you and maybe expanded yes. and, and mm -hmm. exciting. So that's good. Um, I do want to close this out because I loved one of your, your favorite um, Bible verses, scripture verses, and you, you hit on something that, that I really like. Everyone is pretty much familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm -hmm. But me, I'm a stickler for verses 12 and 13, because I think they're so important and you can't have 11 without 12 and yes. 13. And you added them both um, in, in what you sent me and I'm going to read them for, okay. okay. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future. And that's 2911. Right. You can't have that without this. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, it's got to be God's plans for us. And yes, exactly. God's will. And I think you're, you're very focused on, on you, what God wants for you next, whether it is continuing love inspired or whether it's taking more opportunities. And I, I, I just love that verse. I mean, just because I had some tumultuous uh, childhood years and I'm just like, okay, I just had to hold on to hope. And that's a theme through a lot of my books, hold on to hope. And I had to hold on to hope to know that God had a plan for me. And a couple of years ago, I chose me worn as my word, one word for the year, not realizing how God would use that. And uh, I have developed and it's still in process, but I am working toward developing a women's type ministry called the knee worn woman. And it focuses on Jeremiah 29, 13 or, or uh, 12 and 13. You will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so this is women who want to seek the Lord with all their heart. And so that's a side project of my heart that I'm working on because I, you know, I, I, I feel like we as women, we are pulled in so many different directions and, but God just wants us, you know, and social media just gives us uh, this perception of what we're supposed to be the perfect woman. And all God wants is our hearts. That's it. And when we give him our hearts, then he will, um, you know, he will reveal himself in a way that w draws us closer to him. And so that's a, another side project I'm working on based on Jeremiah 12 and 13. Yeah. Count me in on that one, because those are very important verses to, to me. And I love that you extended, um, you know, people get so focused. Oh, God's got plans for me or God's, you know, he's going to prosper me. No, we got to seek him. But, yes, he's, but, but, but it's, but it's so intentional. So. He says, you will call on me and I will listen to you. Yes. Not I might. He goes, I will. Yeah. So when we go to him. He's already waiting and he's already willing to listen. Oh, it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> and so I'm just so excited that we love that a God love 
that we serve a God who loves us so much. And the only thing he asks for is our hearts. That's stuff. Okay. I can't think of a better way to close this out. <laughs> then your, your heart will also be tugged by reading Lisa's books and, and specifically the one that Rebecca and I've reviewed and talked about, and that's Redeeming the Cowboy. You can find Lisa at lisajordanbooks.com. Um, mm-hmm. So check her out so you can see when the next stories are coming out and the next ones after that. And uh, we'll look forward to see what you've got coming up as, as, um, time goes on and where God's going to lead you, Lisa, because I know he's going to lead you to great places. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And I just I just love hanging out with you ladies. Well, thank you for being here. And we appreciate your time. We know your schedule is is busy these days. So um, we will. Uh, I don't know. See y'all next time. We've got more things coming. Deneen Miller will be our next author. Uh, with her book Bloom to be Messy, which is book one of a series. And uh, and that's a real fun one too. But again, we appreciate Lisa's time today. And uh, this is Rebecca and Rebecca signing off and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.